0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another Boardroom Out of Office podcast. Gianni, this is podcast 39, man. Six more till the first season's done. How you feeling? No way. Time flies. Time flies when you're doing podcasts every damn week. Is that what it is? (laughs) Exactly. Well, today we have somebody on the show who is a a fast new friend of both of ours. Uh, We had drinks with this young woman two weeks ago and we met on another subject. And like we always do, we went into pod mode. So a lot of what we asked may seem repetitive to her, but guess what, Gianni, our audience has not heard it, so we're gonna do it again. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, well, without further ado, please welcome to the show the CEO of Brilliant Minds and the former CEO of Quintessentially Group, Miss Anastasia Seabom. Ooh, I killed it on the pronunciation. (laughs) So
1: good, so good. Um, thank you. Hi, I'm super excited because this is the very, very first thing I'm doing as the new CEO of Brilliant Minds.
0: Wow! Wow! That's awesome.
1: I get to be with you, Brilliant Minds. I know I'm super, super excited.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, to, you know, you heard what I said. We obviously really uh, went right into it when we met the first time. We just asked question after question. But you you i could tell right off the bat that that was your energy and i'm i was right obviously right we didn't offend in any way
1: no no i mean i love i think life is about questioning you know i, I love the questions probably often more than i love the answers themselves so yeah i'm i'm all in
0: all right well so the two guests we've had before you and previously even though like we just said we've had 39 or you're number 39 were ariana huffington and bozema st john and in the case of ariana huffington I read that she was somebody that you looked up to, and her success has come over this last 30, 40 years of Mm -hmm. her life, and she's done incredibly well. But when it comes to someone like you, in some ways, you're very much like some of these tech founders or young athletes who get to this level of success at a young age, and it, it demands a level of commitment at a very, very, very young age. Um, When do you start feeling like you started focusing on what your future professionally could be as a kid? Like, was it something that drove you early or was it something that closer to college you started to visualize?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we can kind of get personal straight away. I, and it's something I mentioned to you, my mother became very ill when I was young, when I was about 13. Um, and she actually became disabled. So I became what you would call a young caretaker, where the role of adult and child are reversed. And I think that taught me responsibility and time priorities off the bat. So I was kind of straight into an adult role quite young. Um, I think I also, like many people, found solace in work. Uh, It was was a reason. I loved it. It was a drive. And and it kind of went from there.
0: So schoolwork was something that you kind of escaped to because, you know, I... Go ahead.
1: Not, I was going to say, not schoolwork, work, work, uh, work a Saturday work. job, you know, after school working, just productivity. Kind of jumping into it was always jobs that were related to people, talking to people. Then I first discovered sales, where you first get your first commission check, you know, and it kind of goes from there.
0: So you really, you know, we speak to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who always have those like very cliche stories of their early years and the business they start. I used to tell mine too, until I realized how cliche they all sounded. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you really worked. So you did jobs and you were taking care of your mother, did jobs. I didn't have a mother that was disabled physically, but there were similarities in some of the strife in our home. And I felt this like caretaking instinct for my mother, but that meant that I couldn't do anything else. Like in my mind, it meant I did that shit or I socialized, partied and got high. Right. Because that was my real escape. But you were caretaking for your mom. I assumed did well in school and had a job. Was that kind of like, well, if I don't do this, no one else is going to kind of take care of this family. I have to now support them as well monetarily. Was that some of the early drive?
1: It wasn't supporting monetarily. I think when people talk about a kind of flow state, which I can only see now looking back, when I was in work, I was just fully focused on kind of getting the job done. And you kind of, when you are really driven by what you do, you do go into this flow state. So really, it was just a pure escape from all of the stuff that was going on at home. Um, I think that's why I, how I got lost in it.
0: So you have what I call is like a C- CEO uh, spirit which is different than an entrepreneurial spirit or a superstar celebrity spirit. And in, in the way I see it is that like, as soon as I met you, I felt like this total control around you and not control in like a controlling way, but that you had complete control of, of what you wanted to do. Meaning like you sat where you want to sit and do what you want to do. You go, no, but it's a very powerful thing. And, and, um, that kind of personality i'm sure definitely came from a lot of that from having to to kind of be the caretaker at home do you do you feel like you are like were you always a leader outside of taking care of your mom amongst your friends and stuff yeah that kind of person i
1: think so i always you know debate in my head whether you're born with this whether that personality develops but i I think so yeah i i kind of don't know any differently and that was pre-mom also getting ill as well
0: yeah Gianni, did you, let me ask you a question from your standpoint, because you obviously were not in a caretaking role as, uh, as a kid, uh, which you were fortunate for, but do you think that having like a bit of security at home allowed you to focus in school to a level that like peers of yours who you saw not having that same level couldn't, couldn't do? Because I always wonder for myself, like I just made a conscious decision to check out of school. Um, as what I felt like I deserved, but I do think that like this new generation of entrepreneur and executive is now starting to really uh, Value education again and 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 for and for good reason and I like we talked about once with Gary Vee Like the idea of skipping school to start your own business is pointless, right? But do you think that at any age like having a family that's secure at home is clearly an asset into your education?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean Looking back at it, like growing up, I always felt that I used my parents as a backbone, not necessarily from like schooling and education, but just in towards like life. I figured like a, my professional career would be somewhat of a result of my
0: connection relationships with my parents. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, I understand. And that it's a different, you know, there's drive comes like in all different forms. And, you know, we were, someone was in our office the other day and said like, yeah, well that kid was a trust fund baby. And I, and that shit to some degree drives me crazy because the people that take that like start in whatever form and build from it, it's not a, uh, it's not a free ride. You still have to walk into that door, but for people like yourself that have to this like built in survival discipline early, there is a, there is a mentality that like, I think leads to a a potential CEO role. When you went to college, did what then?
1: What then? Uh, What then I kind of unofficially I'm half Greek. um, So I kind of, I kind of unofficially started organizing Greek events. Uh, made made some cash off of that. You know, there was always something going on. Uh, getting an internship in the summers, trying to be, you know, trying to excel as much as I could at the internships. There was always something. I mean, to your point, the survival, there's a fine line between taking the survival instincts too far and getting, you know, go, going too deep uh, into into something and finding that balance. But I love activities. I love always having stuff going on, spinning lots of plates. That was kind of the same throughout.
0: You have a lot of energy, right?
1: I love life and life gives me energy. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. See, I love life too. And I have energy, but I don't know because there's certain people that just aren't built for what you have to do in business if you want to have a healthy balance, right? Because there's an obscene drive, but that's not healthy, but you have to be able to have a little bit of a balance of all of it. But I mean, you do have to have it.
1: You do. And actually, yeah, you, you're right. And, and sidebar, and I think this has happened to many people, you know, I ended up in hospital with exhaustion. You can take it too far. You know, Ariana's story says, this is a lot. This is a common story around people that have worked too hard. So then you have to put, the irony is you then have to put the work into finding balance and you have to put the work into being more well-rounded and looking after your health. And it, it's been amazing to watch the business world see the importance and the rise of kind of that that's what yeah. i've
0: loved no that that's a blessing because like i i think we talked about it a little bit or maybe g and i mentioned it somewhere else but in the music business when i was growing up like if you didn't talk about working 24 7 or if you didn't like talk about putting your life on the line it was kind of frowned upon like yes. it, was, it was like you didn't work as hard as as the next person and I think we all now know beyond the like mental and physical health just from an efficiency standpoint nobody's more efficient working 24 hours a day I don't believe it no
1: and and it's all about optimization at this point as well if you really truly want to be an effective leader or you know or anything or just a happy individual then it's just about optimizing all the areas of your
0: life so when you went to college, uh, to make a parallel to me again, even though you didn't ask, it's pretty <laughs> egocentric of me. I've been doing this a lot lately. But I uh, I was still worried about back home. So like, even though I, I thought maybe I, I didn't focus in school because I was so close to home, that if I got out of home a little bit, well, then I wouldn't worry about it. I could kind of lock in. And I get, again, locked in on like the networking and social side of it, but not school. Because I was still a little bit worried about everything were yeah. you able to go to school and kind of compartmentalize what was going on at home a bit
1: look i think whenever you're empathetic you you never stop worrying i think a skill i learned was to compartmentalize which obviously then helps later in life when you are running businesses or when there, when there is stress but um you can never totally disassociate the the emotions are there but but yeah learning to compartmentalize was another kind of survival skill
0: And so you, I'm sure you still took care of your mom a bit. You worked hard in school. You probably had fun too, because you're a social person, right? Uh, Yes, yes. And you probably were working. You said you had hustles going.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Yes. So at this point, what what I what we continue to talk about on the pod and all part of our boardroom brand is this like idea that if you identify what you want to do in life or some sense of it that you cannot rely on a traditional path to get there, and there's all these different pivots and detours. However, in your case, yes. you, you read an article, and an article inspired you to point to a job in life that you wanted. And Correct. when you point to an exact job, there may be a non-traditional way to get there, but the path is straight. You know exactly where you want to go. So tell me about the article, what you read, and what inspires you to then seek this.
1: And actually, as you were talking about all of this, it reminded me of a quote from our mutual friend that introduced us, uh, who said, play long, not linear. Um, R-E-A? REA? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Credit. Um, credit where credit's you. Uh, what, so the article, I was at university, and I read an article of the founder of Quintessentially Ben Elliott, and I, thought, I just thought, God, I wish I'd thought of that idea. It's super cool. It sounds amazing. Um, and then I went after them until they gave me a job, and I started as an assistant because that's the quickest way to figure you know, everything out. I started in our Athens office, and then I, I worked my way up, uh, working closely with the founders and the CEO at the time, then came over to run to run the U.S. And, and to your point, is it a straight line? You know, had I not just up and left my life in London or up and left my life in Athens, would I have gotten here? Probably not. So I think it's all about having a flexible mindset and some agility um, so you can bounce between things to, to get to where you need to go.
0: How many people were at quintessentially when you first like kind of spotted this company and and fought your way in
1: gosh i can't i can't remember how many when i started but when i was ceo you know pre-pandemic we'd reached a thousand people
0: so i imagine it was it couldn't have been more than 100 people when you first started
1: yeah it was it was yeah maybe a few hundred
0: so when you start in that company You know, every young kid, when they get a job or their first internship, they start in the job and they start like fantasizing and visualizing where they could fit in that role. Or how the hell do I get out of here as soon as they start? Did you make your intentions and vision known to people around you? Like, here I am starting, but I want that job.
1: I always had a goal to be CEO by the time I was 30. Um, So that was that was like the focus um, and I would tell people, but softly, you know, it's important to take people with you and, and not get people's backs up. Um, yeah.
0: So what kind of advice or what approach did you take? And then I, I, want I, ever,
1: I yeah. read this somewhere, um, and it was one of the things that I think carried me through and I can't remember where I read it, but try and do your job in 70% of the time. So you can spend 30% of your time on growth initiatives. So I just tried to be as effective as possible with the job I was being paid to do. So then I could put my hand up and hustle and take on side projects and just get involved in a lot more. And um, It was, I think, one of the things that kind of defined my career.
0: So what it, tell the listeners what Quintessentially Group was when you read it. What idea did you read that you said, I wish I'd came up with that?
1: So the quintessentially idea was that there are a group of people that are cash rich and time poor and that time is our most precious commodity. So let's maximize the time we've got and outsource the organization of our life to experts and quintessentially was that expert uh, in getting people's lifestyles organized.
0: From every walk of life and a a luxury lifestyle.
1: Yes, a luxury lifestyle, exactly. So whether it was travel, whether it was sports and entertainment, um, whether it was family activities or personal growth, just outsourcing that to experts. And we also had um over 60 offices at our height around the world so whether you wanted to have tennis lessons uh, on your next trip to Italy or whether you wanted to you know go to a music festival on the west coast then then we'd get it organized
0: and that kind of caretaking quality about you and is clearly was built in and translated perfectly to quintessentially were some of your roles in the beginning being pretty hands on with clients and being yes. a concierge of sort
1: Absolutely. I actually looked after our number one paying client globally, Um, very demanding. And you know, it just, it gets you in it. It also makes you realize I'm a big believer that you can get most things done. Uh, You can find a way to, you know, to do things. And and it made, it tested that theory.
0: So tell me, two or three of the roles on the rise executive assistant was your first role for somebody at the Athens office that was in a high position
1: yeah the person the 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 partner of the Athens office so so their right hand
0: so it's a Bozema last week on the pod said the same thing when talking about her first job at Pepsi that she was like this was easy like if they wanted coffee I'll just get the best goddamn cup of coffee that person's ever gotten Um, and I feel like that role when treated well is Uh is the dream job, right?
1: It was, I, you know, so admired the, the people I was working for. And I distinctly remember walking into the executive office and this was week three or week four. And they, I built up some trust with them. And they said, you know, I don't have time. Do you think you can do this business trip for me? And I was like, um, yes. It was to the Maldives, you know. So my first ever business trip in this role was to go and stay in six different resorts, looking to private charter an island in the Maldives. I was like, I can definitely do that for you. Um, And and so my luxury lifestyle began. You know, Um, there's been no turning back since. No, I'm joking, but yeah, I think I think when you build up the the trust, uh, you, you you see this in many relationships of the executive of the founder. Uh, you get you get to do everything on their behalf, you get to see everything you understand the decision making process of these effective people, and you get to have some really cool experiences along the way
0: yes and then but there's a there's a point in which like especially as your company was growing and the founders are in place is it, it's not like there was a secession plan from executive assistant to taking over his job so you kind of left that role and navigated through and learned the business how important was it for you to kind of see every part of this business knowing that you wanted to be the CEO
1: well I actually I thought about what was the quickest way to get there and and the quickest way in in this organization was to be a revenue generator the the Bigger revenue generator, you were the bigger the responsibility. Um, so I went down that path. Um, yeah.
0: that's a pretty. You know, it sounds simple, but it's actually like takes a lot of courage to think that way because in assigning yourself to be a revenue generator that means that you're accountable again you know and then you say i want to bring money in and then if you don't bring money in your job is fully on the line so um that's a tough so are you're a good saleswoman i think so i love it i know i could see that it's it's
1: again it's people right It's, it's making connections with people and if you believe in in the thing you're selling um Sometimes I feel it has a negative connotation if you say you're a good salesperson. But I think that's how businesses grow.
0: I think it's f- sales. It's a really good point. I'm going to take that quote. I'm, I'm not going to take it from you like it was <laughs> <such> a, <Yeah. laughs> like it's some groundbreaking <laughs> quote. I just mean we're going to take that quote on the promo because I do think that salespeople get a bad rap. Like, oh, you're in sales? Like, come on.
1: But But you think about... Every business that you, or not every, most businesses that you look at and you really admire, they started largely from the ground up with some hustle and, and some scrappy sales tactics. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that. And I don't know why it has a bad rep, you know?
0: Me either. It's like Arthur Miller rep, you know? Death of a Salesman type yeah. thing. Yes. That was a pretty sophisticated reference for me, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one was expecting that. It's like the only <laughs> book I ever read. Um. <laughs> or a playwright a play I read it I acted in it irrelevant D- did you yeah
1: that's interesting
0: I was a good childhood actor I was, uh, I was in a production of Peter Pan I was in a Greek play as Moses
1: oh wow or Zeus Moses Zeus. Is in- Zeus. I was gonna I didn't want to but <laughs> I I'm, say, cl- I'm not sure how somebody plays Moses but <laughs> no
0: and Moses clearly was see man that was embarrassing <laughs> <But> we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep it though keep that one Terrence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so, hate. What was the hate like on your way up? Because there's hate. There's always inside the corporate structure. Hate, not maybe from the CEO, but from your peers yeah. as you move. Um,
1: look, I. What was it like? It was difficult. Um, I think you know that's my dog in the background snoring. Um, I think um, being a woman made it more complicated as well. Is the truth. Uh, I think it came more from men um, that felt threatened, which is, you know, which is sad. Um, But I I definitely have experienced that, and and that is real. Um, And not only within the, you know, not only within the organization, but partners or, or, you know, especially as you rise and you're in a more authoritative position, uh, men that maybe don't have as much responsibility.
0: How do someone like you that sounds like you don't, ever bite your tongue and you advocate for what you want when you encounter something like that and i'm not talking about something that's illegal i'm talking about just advert like sexism at work um how did you approach that or what was what did you kind of have to prepare yourself for
1: um so it took it was a journey right and i you know went to leadership coaches and, and all of those things i tell people softly that it's not okay or I needed their help. And I and I tell I tell people around me what's happened as well. So they don't feel like it's it's just towards them if something does happen to them. I think you can always some people aren't even aware of their of their behavior. There's unconscious biases and and so on. And I think if you approach it again with empathy and softness and say, listen When you did this, there was some bias, or it didn't make me feel okay. More often than not, it's it's met the way you know it should be.
0: And was the kind of C level always embraced you, and and was in your so it was they must have been in your corner because you became the CEO.
1: Yeah, and look, it was a founder. It is a founder-led business, Um, and the founders were always hugely supportive and and championed me.
0: So. Recently, well, tell me about the pandemic. So the pandemic hits your business.
1: Which is a hospitality business. Which
0: is a hospitality business. And probably a lot of like frantic, rich people with like no perspective on what was really going on in the world. But whatever. That's not the point. Um, So you had a a business that relied on hospitality and Mm -hmm. you were the CEO and you have your own fears and, and worries like everyone else. And this is probably the first CEO we've really spoke to. To learn about, like, what did you do with the ship come March? So, t- talk me through, like, those early months.
1: You know, it was it was tough. I I was in London on on March twelfth, and I did a town hall, and and you know, didn't I told people that it was going to be okay. And by March sixteenth, we were having to let people go, and you saw that with business leaders and leaders of countries across the world. I think that the biggest lesson I had to learn quickly and to do a pivot on was to just tell the teams I didn't know if you you recall that time last year it was changing so quickly and especially as a leader you you feel like you have a responsibility to go out and tell everybody it's going to be okay and we've got solutions and this is what we're going to do but things were changing hour by hour last March. And so it was the realization that very quickly, the best thing I could do was say that I didn't know. And I would respond as best I could with the information I had at that given moment. And that we were kind of all in it together and just to be transparent about that. So I think that was, that was a huge eye opener.
0: And did you have to implement and change and pivot as a business quick?
1: Totally. I mean, we had to say goodbye to lots of people, you know, we loved, we, we had to fur- furlough people, and, and we had to pivot our offering. So we had three main offerings, the concierge, events, and travel. Travel and events obviously came to a grinding halt overnight. Um, so then it was all about the concierge service taking things to people's homes. You know, people that had lots of children suddenly were an Amazon, you know, center in their homes with all of the logistics and the packages, uh, helping helping our members with at-home schooling, um, at-home gyms, at-home offices. Uh, so really it was just about kind of pivoting and, and taking it to the home and also helping people get supplies to loved ones, helping people that had parents in other countries that were then alone. Uh, It was amazing to see the value proposition pivot from something that was about leading a wonderful life to something that became needed in a time of crisis.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing because that side of your business probably, like you said, turned into a bit more of an emotional type role that you were playing outside of the logistics.
1: Exactly, exactly. People were, you know, we were all frightened. Nobody yeah. knew what was happening to their families, to their businesses. Um, and this was a kind of constant and, a, and an extra set of hands. It was, it was really amazing to see.
0: People were probably like, I need a fucking panic room. I need a yeah. vaccine. <laughs> uh, yes and
1: yes. Not saying, I mean, one of those, no, we did do a panic room. We did do a bunker, but um, but we didn't. Vaccines are, you know, in the queue with everyone else. But the the things people were...
0: I'm sure. Some like there was someone on the phone in like May, like this. Get Anastasia on the phone. I need the fucking vaccine right oh, now. Oh <laughs> my
1: god! It was. It's just. It, it, my favorite was, you know, the teens were like, OK, we have to come up with creative ideas for like at home entertainment for their families and their children. So it was like, OK, family French lessons, you know, and then. What was,
2: <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs>
1: um, we had, so, you know, the, this one guy surprised his wife for her 40th birthday with an amazing DJ set on Zoom and these private breakout rooms. So some really cool kind of intimate moments came out of it.
0: It definitely was, uh, it def- yeah, I think professionally, personally, scary times, like memorable times. We all had these like memories now that we have like our COVID memories for life, which for better or worse are coming with us and will be this special place at some point for everyone, I think.
1: Totally, totally. Except for
0: people that obviously lost people, but here are yeah. these New York sirens. This is real shit, real time.
1: Dog sirens.
0: This is a New York this, podcast.
1: This is COVID life, yeah, <laughs>
0: We're all New Yorkers. So did people recruit you along your way up to leave?
1: Um, yes, but I was, you know, I, I loved what I was doing. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't, my head wasn't turned. I was so into what I was doing and, and loved my team. It, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. But so um, when we came to meet you. Yes. It was uh, just on the heels or in, it's happening that Correct. you were leaving Quintessentially Group yes. to go start this incredible new opportunity.
1: Which I'm so excited about.
0: As you should be, and I am, because I feel like we have a plug now. You know, I just want to have plugs everywhere. We got a plug.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> just kidding. You're more than a plug. You're a friend. A real friend now. Do you feel that way? You feel like me and Gianni yeah, are your friends? Yeah,
1: totally. I think you guys. will now everybody that's listening. Listen, to your podcast Anastasia, bit.
2: you can consider us plugs as well, too.
1: <laughs> Great. As, oh yeah, along you. with friends. <laughs> Good. Oh yeah,
0: we could be plugs too. So um, were I you want f-
1: one of those sweaters.
0: Which one? Easy. Gianni's. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Listen,
2: I get it to you by end of day.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: Literally, because it's in our office. Don't look like you got to go out of your way
1: or anything. <laughs> Damn,
0: I want rich. <laughs> I want, I don't want you to get all the, you know, she's going to think you plug, gave her the plug right away. I didn't. (laughs) Results, results. So did your, were you met with resistance? When? Upon leaving, like trying to leave.
1: Um, no, I think I spoke to Ben, you know, my, my mentor boss and I, I, explained to him that, you know, Brilliant Minds is is impact-led. It's a foundation. Um, I think COVID gave us all an opportunity to think about how we use our time. Uh, I mentioned to you in person, you know, I I also had some personal stuff that had happened. I lost my parents over the last few years. And actually, I just wanted to use my time differently. I I wanted to be much more impact-led. So it was a really personal decision. And that led me to this amazing opportunity. So I don't think there was any anything anyone could have said. And, and I think I think they understood that when I told them I was leaving.
0: When was this like burnout time?
1: That was August 2019.
0: And it, you just you had just gone too hard physically. Yeah, I, and
1: I lost my father June 2019. I'm sorry. Um so I think that was the kind of that was the my body was like, okay enough. Yeah. Um, and then you know, very quickly, all all the lifestyle changes everybody talks about—meditation, um, a, a well you know, a well-rounded approach to to food and nutrition, prioritizing sleep—all uh, of the things that that we're told we should do—I I never did because I thought I could just go go go. Um, and then I incorporated them, and I'm I'm happier than I've ever been, um, and a more effective leader. You know, you know. And, yeah.
0: Uh, so did you? Were you able to reach out to Ariana and talk yes. during that time? Go she ahead. was
1: amazing. And obviously a fellow Greek um, and her and her sister, Gabi, when when I lost dad, who who was Greek, they, they totally took me in and were wonderful. Um, and yeah, really, you know, everything Ariana teaches, um, I think is, is the thing that helped me kind of learn a new way of living. And importantly, I think for for people to kind of think about a new way of living without that guilt that we sometimes carry for them doing it. Cause it's like, Oh, well maybe I shouldn't be sleeping as much, or maybe I should be doing, you know, more work and actually no.
0: Yeah. Were there cert- do you think there are certain things like, like alongside that kind of finding a bit more balance and a healthier way of working where there were some other things maybe at that point or during the pandemic that you were able to kind of get rid of as well, like a little bit of FOMO that people have, a little bit of trying to make sure you don't miss an opportunity, which can be crippling because there's too much opportunity.
1: You're, you're so right. Yeah. I think, I think that self-imposed guilt of maybe I should be doing more. What else is there? What am I missing? um, Letting go of that. Um, And really just kind of focusing in on what kind of life do you want? You know, how do you want to show up to things? Do you want to show up to things stressed and exhausted? Or or do you want to show up vibrant and, you know, present for the other person?
0: So it was really that bad? Like you felt like the physical side of it, the kind of burnout?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was was done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know
1: I, I, if you're if you're on a flight you're on a long haul flight every week you're trying to sleep as few as as possible to catch times so it, it get it gets most people
0: it does it does yeah and I definitely I felt it like I I felt I think I got burnt out physically from flying where like truly I was injured you know like my back was fucked up from getting on an airplane 10 times a month it's yeah it's, it's real
1: it's totally real yeah the thing i i'm most grateful for is you know how society has shifted to understand that like that's not an okay way to be whereas before business and society kind of encouraged this like busy burnout life and it's that shift that i'm super grateful for
0: i think i curse too much i just realized while i was talking to you because you're so much more eloquent when you speak really
1: I, i i curse all the time i'm trying to do it less I think I think the English use fuck to emphasize things, it's, I, and, <laughs> you know, and in America, I, I sometimes get looks when I'm swearing.
0: I know. I think it's still sometimes you, I, you feel like I, now I'm glad that I don't feel it because you don't care. No, no not at all. It's like I curbed it for 10 years when my kids were little and now because it's over I'm just cursing again. If like, it no makes reason. you
1: feel any better, I'm consciously trying not to swear on this.
0: All right, so I'm going to consciously not swear anymore.
1: <laughs> or we can just
0: ooh. Or we can just let Or it go. we can all just start, start it. swearing. Yeah, Fuck exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> um, so how did brilliant minds come to you?
1: Um, brilliant minds came to me predominantly uh, through I'm sure he won't mind me saying a great friend of mine called Darnell, uh, Strom, who's with UTA, um, and he you know said, they're looking for somebody. I think you'd be great for this. And as soon as that happened, a couple of others pinged me and was like, You know, brilliant minds are looking for somebody. I think you'd be great' And suddenly two or three people appeared on my radar, um, and my name was put forward to the exec search firm. Wow. and the rest as they say is history big
0: shout out to darnell there's always I know. The, it's always the darnells
1: yeah exactly
0: darnell we appreciate you bro you can get a sweatshirt also
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> he'll love that he'll love that
0: um so what was it like when you first met daniel and what was brilliant minds at its inception to where it is now when you start taking this role
1: Sure. So Brilliant Minds has existed for the last five years. um, And it it started as a symposium, a gathering of people in Sweden, in Stockholm, um, on an annual basis to showcase the best of Swedish values, openness, transparency, equality, and so on to the rest of the world. And it developed out, and I was lucky enough to attend in 2018 and 2019. And it developed into this amazing community of really, without too cliched, truly brilliant minds, um, that were coming together in this incredible space in Stockholm, which is a beautiful city, um, to discuss ideas, to hear from thought leaders, whether that's, you know, Obama was on stage and Greta was on stage and Gwyneth Paltrow and Naomi Campbell and lots of other amazing, inspiring people that cover business and politics and and philanthropy and, and fashion and, and lots of other disciplines they were coming together over these few days to talk about ideas uh, that could change the world and make an impact and kind of always coming back and being rooted in these in these swedish values um it was the best couple of days i ever had you know every year everybody and you, you'll see it, you know everybody was like brilliant mind stockholm can't wait it's amazing and It obviously didn't happen in 2020 because of the pandemic and and then i came on board now uh 2021 and we're gearing up for a big comeback in june 2022
0: well consider myself invited (laughs) (laughs) i you know remember when we were at uh drake's and you were like which ones of your favorite of all these and i'm like i think google camp and then i started talking i'm like i think i've only been to google camp
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in fairness, that one comes up often as one of, you know, yeah. one of the greats.
0: Well, it's my favorite. One of, one of one. I mean, I've been to others, but I'm saying of those, like, yeah. where, you know. Um, so Brilliant Minds, what, like, starting a new job like this, even with your success and your kind of relationship with Daniel, do you still, is it still a new job? Like, is there still the regular nerves and stuff?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I'm going to say no. I don't want to sound arrogant, but yeah, I'm, I'm on weekly calls. I start next week, but I'm already on weekly calls with the team. We're already into planning for, um, for June next year. I think th- the pressure of wanting, you know, to do well... Um, is obviously there and there's some apprehension around it's a foundation so I, I have to use a different part of my brain the things I have been doing you know running a PL, and l having sales targets all of those things aren't there and um, this is about kind of creativity and impact and um, so I'm excited to use a different part of my brain so I'm I'm just more kind of intrigued and yeah
0: yeah I mean there is an operating side to a foundation is that not you're kind of more though tasked with running this the entire initiative and what the mission is
1: and of course running the organization itself it's just it's a very different you know it's a very different type of organization different kind of pressures Um, and i think it's important to you know use your mind in different ways so i'm i'm excited a bit apprehensive to see you know just myself in a new environment
0: so will you be living in new york still
1: I will. And then I have an amazing team in Stockholm. And so I'll be I'll be going back and forth. But but New York is home.
0: So what are what is rooted in Swedish principles mean?
1: Um, So Sweden, you know, as as a country really is at the forefront of a number of things. But but the, the foundation has looked at equality um openness and transparency so as a society there are just ways that the world could benefit from taking some of these swedish initiatives on board Um, also how businesses run and how businesses operate Um, and really kind of bringing that out in the conversations we have with the brilliant minds community and having a great time whilst doing it and I think, you know, we, we touched upon this. When you create an experience that's fun and also has space to connect, um, that's where kind of creativity and impact really comes from. So bringing together the most inspiring people in the world in, in to get their brains um, spinning and, and to bounce off each other and to create some change through that.
0: So it's truly just to kind of bring together and empower diverse, beautiful minds and brilliant minds around the world to potentially challenge a system that we've known for no reason and that could or should be broken.
1: That's exactly right. In fact, I think you should just say that to the whole world over and over again. It sounded <laughs> beautiful. I, um,
0: that might be my way into the conference. I might have to host some <laughs> of the panels. Like,
1: stand at the front door, just explaining what it is to everyone. Um, that and then you had of-
2: some specific focuses as well. It was like education, healthcare
1: exactly and also bringing together one thing I'm really interested in doing um, is uh, you know having a kind of layer of academics to this so a layer of academic thought leadership into impact and and the way uh, the way we're making decisions on a business level and how that can have a greater a greater impact on society at large and then the other thing is you know having a two-pronged audio and intimate so really getting kind of brilliant minds around the world together in intimate settings and in different geographies and then having an audio strategy to get these really important messages out to the rest of the world
0: you know because you know what it is is that so a lot of times people that think that way people that think about breaking or changing a system or like rewriting it or challenging it have always kind of been fought with historically that they're crazy right or or it should be left alone things are going well here this new generation of like successful people in technology are truly looking at some of these things differently and allowing this next generation to potentially rewrite some of this shit. Cause like what you realize during the pandemic is like, wait, hold up. Why are we doing school like this? Yeah. It, even, it even makes sense.
1: And also, I think we spoke about it. I'm sure if, you know, we all think about our own lives, aha moments or moments where we've met people we've fallen in love with or we found new jobs or or, or pivotal moments in our lives have come through this convergence of being with other people that have diverse opinions, that challenge your opinions, that tell you about their own life experiences. Like, There's nothing better than leaving an amazing conversation with new, interesting people being like, God, I learned something or that's made me think differently or here's an amazing business concept and here's a new relationship that will matter for a long time and yeah i I think that's that's kind of what life's about
0: because it's like everything we know like everything we know today was created and built in a different time and then we now celebrate most of these people the inventor of the school system the inventor of this but the truth is is that people now are smarter just by evolution not by the Mm -hmm. fact that like we know now more Relative to what people knew then, but to think that someone of today with what we know now shouldn't be tasked with looking closely at all these things that people created 200, some uh, 300,000, whatever years ago, it sounds like exactly what the world needs, but you're harnessing it through this organization. You're, you're, you're giving these people the safe space to do this.
1: Yeah, and we we spoke about this. I'd love Brilliant Minds to be the most future-gazing and impactful organization of all, recognizing and rewarding voices that are, you know, disrupting ideals and our thinking about the way, you know, society is structured or what should education look like and really challenging the way we live, but not just for today or for tomorrow, but for the next 100 years. Um, and giving, giving a voice and a platform to these kind of game-changing, inspiring um, individuals.
0: And, and, and then the, the organization, it's not like you keep a piece, you just are putting these people in positions to, to learn, to create, to think differently. Will you try to, impl- like, will there be a level of implementation?
1: Um, will there be, yes, you know, we're, we're still at the very early stages. Do I want us to look at impact funds? Of course, you know, there's lots of things for us to explore and do, um, and, and continuation, you know, and implementation of those ideas is, is part of it.
0: So are you, do you feel that excitement again? Like you're starting,
1: I feel like just so lucky, that um, I get to go into what I feel is like the most interesting job in the world. I just get to meet really interesting people. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm just really grateful to be honest. That's awesome. You're very, really, yeah.
0: you're just, you are really do have a light around you a little bit. Oh. right? She, she does. Absolutely. And there's actually light behind you. Right? <laughs>
1: yeah, <and> the, that <laughs> would be the,
0: the, like the great. Soho glass. Um, so what, kind of rules for yourself going into this next journey have, can you create so you never get burned out again?
1: Um, What rules I'm trying to learn to be more carefree. I think that's part of it, right? Not worrying too much. Um, If you know how to crack that one, let me know. Um, Rules. Setting boundaries. You know, My, my team's in Stockholm. I could easily get up too early just to, just to be on the phone with them. Um, yeah, I think I think setting boundaries and and trying to take it as it comes and, and enjoy the ride.
0: And are you inspired or let's say encouraged at all by the conversation and kind of the focus on advancing women in business, in sports, in politics in every sense and that the conversation is at the forefront? Deservedly so. Now more than ever, is it something that you feel that because you've achieved and you're very young and you have so much to offer, probably young women that you're paying attention to on your rise?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's really important to me. So I, I have I have mentees um young young women men mentees uh, that I spend a lot of time with it 's really important for me to kind of put a voice to a different type of leadership as well it doesn 't have to be alpha and aggressive uh, you can lead um, with empathy i 've always kind of coined it as being human in business. you can kind of bring your whole self to business it doesn 't have to it doesn 't have to be this front and and I think the more we can break down some of those barriers, the better women um and and other people um will have an opportunity to kind of rise up
0: Mm -hmm. no well i think i mean obviously not just for young women for young people period for anybody you're an incredible inspiration i mean i think there's a uh there's a level of calm so i think when you meet other people when you meet peers there's like certain qualities at least for me that i'm like okay cool i i could I need that. I need that. And, you know, I am animated at times. Sometimes I'm really chill. Sometimes I go at shit really hard. But at least in the certain times I've met you, you stay at this very kind of like calm tone and the calm presence about you and it it, it translates in every walk of life like Kevin Durant will tell you that the the speed in which he sees the court now is slower than ever and he's the best he's ever been and I do think that when you're able to slow your mind down and be able to kind of to work and to live at that speed you can be so much more productive and healthy yeah
1: I mean, slowing down is a, is a huge, huge part of it. And it's hard, especially when you're kind of rising up and you're, and you're working hard and you're trying, to your point, like go after all the opportunities. It's hard to have belief that actually slowing down is the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. Especially when people like, there's a lot, if you're young and you're not, you know, you take for granted having a network or having uh, any level of success because It's just the the news cycle. You, You know, yes, you feel and you know what happened to you when you're younger. You know what it's like to climb. But you may lose sight a little bit of some of the emotions and feelings that people have when they're young and they haven't done it yet. And I try to, you know, I feel like I'm that guy still half the time. So it's very relatable for me. But, you know, it is hard when people tell some people like go after this stream, you know no network is bad, take this job no matter what. And then you're like, but find balance, find balance and try (laughs) to chill. Like it's tough because young people know that like the one who works their ass off, um, usually goes and gets it. But I think what people are realizing now is that up here you need to balance a bit mentally.
1: It's funny. I think I was thinking about your question earlier about kind of, you know, what advice to, to other people that would actually be beneficial to them. And I, and I said the 70% thing. I actually think it's, it's kind of looking inside without sounding too cliched again and, and thinking about what you actually want what type of life? What do you want your everyday to be like? How do you want to feel? What When you have the answers to those things, then you can figure the rest out. And to your point about people telling you how you should be and what you should be doing, not none of that matters if you can come back to, to your why. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing people can do for themselves is just spend Spend some time with themselves in f- trying to figure out even if it's not what job or what company but just what do I want my every day to be like how do I want to feel
0: well I'll tell you that's my second quote now that I'm taking for you for promotion because find out your why is everything and it's like what's your why what's your vision of yourself yeah. I love that and and so- work towards that
1: yeah i mean simon sinek talks about it in terms of a business you know why but why not for ourselves as well
0: yeah well listen um you did not disappoint this was better than our hang um i learned another side and i think we learned john i think we learned a little bit more into our new favorite person right absolutely
1: Nah.
0: so should was- we hang we should we hang again soon though guys death will you yes. interview us will you interview johnny and i next time
1: yeah, when I when I have my uh, my podcast up and running.
0: Oh, by the way, your boy Luca, man, I gotta hang with that guy again. I- <laughs>
1: yeah, he will <laughs> love the shout out.
0: Bro, He said the nicest things about me on the way out. Did I tell you that? Uh did he? Yeah. Unless I heard wrong.
1: Yeah, I'm I sure sh- he did. Um, I've got a plug. Um, he just sent me. He's invested in a bottle of Mezcal, and he just sent me a couple of bottles. So I'll get him to send you some.
0: Yeah, Luca, send me a bottle, bro. It's okay. my boy. All yeah. right, well, listen, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you. Your career has been incredible so far, and I can't wait to see what you do next. And G- Gianni you. and I, just send us the address, whether we're invited or not to the conference. You
1: are invited. We'll be there with the to flag. Spend time with you guys.
0: All right, thank you. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks. So episode 39 in the can. I feel really good about it. I can't believe we only have six left. Six. Well, let's see. It would be 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. Yeah, six left. I, why would I have to count that? That was so easy. I didn't need to count it.
2: Yo, Fieldston, math department. Check in on your man, bridge climbing.
0: Check in. My, you know who my teacher was? Miss Burt. I have the illest memory. That was my math teacher in sixth grade, Miss Burt. Fine. Be- Beep he said fire um, <laughs> so the last three weeks have been incredible dude listen g I have a real moment with you 39 insane conversations we've been blessed to have man i've learned so much you and i really it's really it's really fun man i appreciate you brother
2: i appreciate you bro i wouldn't want to do this with anybody else
0: nobody else we definitely going to that conference though
2: we out june 20 june next
0: year <laughs> we out june next year we got mad time though Um, All right, well, episode 39, subscribe, keep listening, support Boardroom, et cetera. Subscribe, boardroom.tv. Special shout out to the producer of the stars, Mr. Terrence Malingone, my boy. And uh, Gianni, appreciate you. We out of here.
2: Appreciate you.
0: Peace. Peace.